This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to continue with, um, I guess, kind of the theme of what we talked about last episode, forgiveness, and not on the theme of forgiveness, but on the theme of some of the tougher teachings that Jesus lives out and that Jesus shares with us as his followers. And so in Matthew chapter 7, this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, starting in verse 3, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, while all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And when I read through that passage, what I immediately, the first thing that I think of is, now I don't want you to take this to the extreme, because I don't know that this is necessarily true on the extremes, but have you heard about that? And I don't know that it really came from one specific person at this point, uh, but the idea that what we are most frustrated by in others, the things that other people say and do and the way that they think, that just really, really drives us nuts that those things are things that we also tend toward or struggle with. Now, like I say, I don't think that that's necessarily every situation all the time true, but when I think about it in my own life, I do think that I find myself the most irritated when I see someone that's doing something that I know is a weakness of mine, is a tendency of mine, or is something that I've, I've really worked hard to cut out of my life. And I think part of that makes sense, right? Because we know, okay, I know that's a thinking pattern. I know that's a way of talking to or about people or a way of making decisions or actually taking action, I know that I've had to convince myself internally that this stuff is really harmful, really destructive, really negative for my life. And so when I see it in somebody else, immediately I'm like, oh, no, that's bad. That needs to not happen. It's interesting how we do that. And I don't think it's on a conscious level, right? But it's, hey, I know that I have a tendency to be too harmfully sarcastic sometimes. So people who are harmfully sarcastic on a regular basis, that annoys me. That frustrates me. I find it hard to be around that kind of way of talking continually because I'm like, Ugh, I know what that is and I know what that feels like. 
And Jesus in this passage is saying that what we often do is we point that, uh, I guess, you need to change or something needs to change. We point that feeling or that thought away from ourselves as much as we can, right? So he's saying this in a, in a humorous way. He's saying, you're looking at somebody else and saying, hey, you've got a little piece of sawdust. You got a little piece of some splinter in your eye. Meanwhile, you've got a plank, he says, or a log or a beam, this big old honking thing in your eye, which obviously you're not going to actually have that in an eye, but he's making the point so as to be ridiculous to say what we miss in ourselves, we're so quick to notice in somebody else. And when I think about that, I think about how when I'm not in a good spot, I think I mentioned this before that when my dad and my brother came to visit me for a weekend one time when I wasn't doing well emotionally and didn't even realize it. And after spending the weekend together, they were like, hey, you kind of suck to be around right now. What's going on? Is everything okay? And we don't realize that we're doing it. But when something doesn't feel right, when things are off, when I'm not, not happy, but when I'm not at peace in me, what I do is instead of looking at me and saying, okay, what are some things that I can change? What are some habits that I used to practice, good habits that I used to practice that I'm not anymore? What are some bad habits that I didn't used to practice that I am now? It's way easier to do what I did, to just kind of suck to be around and to become this person who is, is looking, instead of looking inward, right, to find this source of discomfort, this source of obstruction, this source of why am I just not settled? Why am I just not at peace? It's a lot easier and it's a lot more natural to point that feeling of discomfort outward. Instead of asking myself, what do I need to change? Asking myself, what do all these people around me need to change? You know, it's kind of the, um, <laughs> the thing, like if you run into one jerk throughout the course of your day, maybe you just ran into one jerk. But if you run into 10 different jerks throughout the course of your day, you're probably the jerk, right? Because when we're not at a, at a right spot, mentally, emotionally, when we're not doing well ourselves, we point that not doing wellness outward at the people around us. Because we, whether consciously or subconsciously, we know something needs to change but instead of looking at ourselves, 
we want to try to take it out on the people around us. And when Jesus talks about the importance of before we go around, um, I, I want to say aiming because it kind of fits with the way I'm thinking about this in my head, but aiming our frustration and our annoyance and our judgmentalism at other people, he says, look inward. So I want to say that if right now you're like, yeah, I, I've, no one's really told me yet, but as you're describing this, I think right now I kind of suck to be around. I think I'm the person who is instead of looking at me, I'm looking at everybody else. I want to encourage you to to take action on that, to do something different. Because if you just keep focusing that outward, you're going to create friction and you're going to create conflict and you're going to do damage to relationships, which is only going to leave you more isolated, more on your own, more not happy with the way things are going and not doing anything to make some improvements. So what Jesus teaches here is instead of pointing your anger, frustration, discomfort at others, first say, what needs to change in me? And you know, as I was thinking about this passage, obviously the first thoughts that came to mind are what I was just talking about. But when I spent a little bit more time thinking about it, I started to think that, man, I wonder if if he were teaching this today, would he would he maybe add a little something to this? Because what I think is getting more and more and more common in our world today is that we're able to find and we're able to uh, share with other people what the little piece of sawdust, what the little uh, splinter in my eye is. And I mean, that's not something I said we're more able to do that. We're not more able to do that part. But what we're more able to do is find acceptance. Because if I start sharing with a couple people in my life, hey, you know what one of my things is? Uh, my, my sawdust, my splinter in my eye that Jesus talks about, um, you know, I really, I really struggle with anger. I really struggle with lust. I really struggle with judgmentalism. I really struggle with whatever it is that you find yourself really having a hard time with. You can find other people that are having a hard time with that same thing. And in 2019, I think all too often our response to that is, oh, okay, this is a lot more normal than I thought that it was. If this many people are dealing with this, I don't think Jesus really meant that if you have anger and hatred in your heart, it's the same as committing murder. I don't, I don't think he really meant that because, I mean, look, that would make all of us around here murderers, right? 
I don't think he really meant looking at a woman lustfully is the same as already committing adultery in your heart. I don't think he couldn't have really meant that because, look, that would make all of us adulterers. And we talked about last episode, could he really have meant, you know, forgive your enemies, pray for those who harm you and use you? I I don't know. And what we do, I don't know if you, maybe you've heard of this before, but Thomas Jefferson, he created his own version of the Bible. What he did is he went through and he cut out passages that he believed, yeah, I think that actually is something that happened. I think that actually is something that Jesus taught. And so he cut out and left on the cutting room floor a lot of the things that he didn't agree with or things he didn't think happened. A lot of the miraculous stuff, he's like, nah, that didn't happen, and just left it. And I think that what we can easily do, I'm guessing, and I guess I should say I'm hoping, that nobody listening has done that, actually taken a little exacto knife and cut some passages out and said, yeah, this is my version of the Bible now. But we don't have to take out an exacto knife to live like that, right? And I think that a struggle that many of us face is we find ourselves going, oh, hey, you've got the same kind of splinter and sawdust in your eyes I do. Okay, oh, and we found a third and a fourth and a fifth. Okay, yeah, there's no way. It, God must have set this bar super, super high knowing that we were going to be, you know, maybe if we make it halfway there. So I only explode in anger, you know, every now and again. I only look at porn every now and again. I only do whatever your thing is. I, I avoid it for the most part, but I mean, come on. And we're walking around struggling, you know, to keep Jesus' analogy going, uh, struggling to see out of our one swollen eye that is, you know, at this point really not doing well, really not healthy, really not able to function the way it's supposed to function because we're kind of making things up as we go along and not taking his word seriously. And, you know, thinking of that, of Thomas Jefferson creating his own Bible, it kind of reminds me of a thing. I heard a, a guy who wrote a book called Fantasy Land. He did this interview uh, about this book, and he talked about the fact that he was really curious to know why things thrived in America that didn't seem to thrive in other places, you know. There have been the religions of Mormonism and Scientology created in America. A shocking percentage of Americans believes in some pretty wild conspiracy theories, and he goes through and documents this stuff. And he's, he's like, I don't understand what it is that makes these things almost like American things, you know? And so he went back and he, he looked at, okay, where did this, 
this way of thinking come from? This screw you, I do what I want kind of thinking. And so he started to think about the people who originally settled America. He looked at, you know, mostly people from European countries who were saying things here in wherever, the Netherlands, Germany, who knows, Spain, I don't know. This part is not my area of expertise. But people there said, I want to do things my way, right? Now, whether it was, hey, there's a little too much competition, too many people around here making shoes. I need to go somewhere where the market can handle, you know, how many people want to make shoes. Or whether it was people going, I'm going to California because I'm going to dig gold out of those hills and I'm going to set up me and my family and myself for forever. But it was people. Now you can imagine what the conversations amongst family looked like as someone said, hey, I'm going to jump on this boat and we're going to go across the ocean and uh, hopefully when I get to the other side, I can figure out how to get food and shelter and then I'm going to establish myself and you know, the, the literal American dream. And the people who cared about them were saying, dude, you're going to, like you have a high percent chance of a shipwreck or getting scurvy or not get, having clean water to drink while you're on the ship. It's crazy. Don't do it. And you think about the huge percentage of people who came from Europe and uh, colonized America. I think earlier I said settled, and that's probably or definitely the wrong word because there were people living here before. But quickly, the dominant culture became the way that these settlers thought. And they lived life with kind of that, screw you, you don't tell me what to do, I do what I want mentality. And generations and generations and generations and generations later, there definitely have been more people that have come to America in the, in the I think, is it, is it intervening years? That sounds wrong, but I think it's the right word. Uh, but have come from the time when the colonials, colonists, the time of the colonies started till now. Some came willingly. Many, many, many came uh, unwillingly. But that initial mindset of screw you, I do what I want, it kind of turned into, in some ways, our national motto, right? I mean, people think I get to have my own opinion. I get to have my own ideas. I do what I want. And we're living in a, a world right now or in a country right now where the idea of submitting, the idea of there being a bigger thing that we all surrender to, man, that's a, that's a bitter pill to swallow. And I think it, it kind of makes sense why we say, 
oh yeah, yeah, that I believe God said that, but I don't know if I really believe that he meant it. I don't know that a little piece of dust or splinter in an eye is that big of a deal. And we can easily surround ourselves with other people who say, yeah, I come on, just think about it for a second. It's not possible that's what God meant. But what Jesus talks about here in the Sermon on the Mount is, I mean, it's implied the understanding that having, whether it's the tiny little dust and the splinter or whether it's the beam or the plank, that's not meant to be in an eye. And we know that part. But then when we start to apply it to having to give up some of the things that we want to keep doing, having to uh, maybe move some relationships down a few priorities, if we want to really focus in on what God wants for our lives, we go squinting out of this one eye that really hurts. We're like, hey, I do what I want. No one tells me what to do. And what Jesus is saying here is we're not meant to live with stuff in our eye. Now, if you've been kind of, um, I was gonna, I wanted to say side eyeing. I don't. That's not what I want. But I'm in the eye thinking. Uh, I'm in the eye vein or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but if you've kind of been looking suspiciously at some of God's commands, at some of his word and saying, eh, I think that probably fit, you know, maybe at that point, or I don't think he really means that. Um, Jesus is reminding us that God invites us to live free clean, open to him, surrendered lives. And whether that message is something that you need to hear because you realize you've got some things that, that you've been holding on to and trying to keep out of his lordship, or if you need to hear it because you've been looking around and you've been pointing your inner discomfort, you've been pointing it at other people. Jesus' message, his hard teaching from the Sermon on the Mount meets, I really believe, all of us where we're at. So let's not keep living with this junk in our eyes, with this junk that's separating us and harming our relationship with God and other people. Let's not hang on to this American attitude that says, screw you, I do what I want. Let's surrender. It's not easy. It doesn't even sound good, right? But what we find is healing and freedom and wholeness. And that sounds amazing. So let's turn this stuff over to God and let's let him bring that healing, wholeness into our lives.